Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. Ali, um, I did something today. Of course you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I fed into the liberal lie of the vaccine, and <laughs> I, got, I, got, uh, I let my overlord, Bill, Billy Young Gates, microchip me, him and Dr. Fauci. Dave. Can I say something here about the microchip thing? What? Can I just say, like, the people who genuinely believe that the uh, vaccine is going to microchip you and that they're going to track you or do whatever, do they not know that they have cell phones? Um, Like, the government doesn't need to microchip you. You willingly carry a cell phone in your pocket everywhere you go. You put that, you put that, tell me, do you use your cell phone in the bathroom? Yeah, bro, yeah, I see, take right? shits with it. I shower with it. I'm telling you, we take these things everywhere. We take them to the bedroom. We take. Them. They don't need a microchip. They have your fucking cell phone. I like. I don't understand. It cracks me up. These people who are like streaming off of their cell phone. Then the government, they're gonna microchip you, bro. They don't need to microchip you. Uh, <laughs> you those, those... You're willingly giving them information. Checked into Arby's. Hell yeah. Listen, bro. See, you know where you're, 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 you have a logical fallacy. Nobody fucking goes to Arby's, okay? I don't know how Arby's is still in business. I'm just who, assuming that this person who, has no taste. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Because who the fuck but goes it, to it cracks me up that people genuinely are like, they sit there and they talk about things like microchips and and vaccines. To, I'm like, you, you understand that they don't need to do that you've already willingly given them all the information that they need yeah. so it cracks me to up to no end that when people talk about the vaccine well it's like when way. you complain about like your phone having facial recognition like have you not heard of a driver's license well driver's license is 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 one thing you're in a database but facial recognition is a is a constant thing oh. don't compare the two don't, nice nice try that as a, a nice subtle you're assuming that just because i'm 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 a technophobic that i'm not actually aware of the surveillance state my critique of the surveillance state is based on an understanding of capitalism based understanding of the power of the state not on conspiracy theories by some ignorant douchebag on the you know dredges of reddit who happens yeah. to not know how vaccines work or microchips work or tracking works. So, so yesterday there was a uh, Samsung phones, right? They had an issue right. uh, where a lot of the apps and stuff weren't working like Google maps and like basically a lot of like Google apps weren't working on there. Right. It was just mm-hmm. a big ass, like they did a software update on the phones and this was like nationwide um, where uh, certain apps and shit stopped working. And mm-hmm. I had a guy come up to us and was like, I, th- I think they're trying to, to, to plan something. Mm. We're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Trying to plan something. They're like, yeah, they're, they're doing this. It's, it's like a form of like a mini attack on us. I'm like, what? So like, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 the government is working with Samsung probably to, to form like a mini attack on us. And they're trying to see how we react to this. Um, so like you should be aware that the government is coming after them. And I'm like, bro, calm the fuck down, dude. What the hell's wrong with you, you weirdo? Like... <laughs> Ain't no one like coming after your phone. Apps went down. They did a shitty software update. Like that's all it is. Apple does shitty software updates every few months, and people complain. This for, is like, why a day. I don't do software updates in the first place. Yeah, bro. Don't do just... software updates, and you have nothing to worry about. And then your phone stops working the way it's supposed to. My phones were. My phones last a lot longer than everyone else's phones do. 
Oh yeah, do you, do you, do you know that people can reply to your messages and stuff now? Yeah, apparently that's a that's a thing. I don't care about that. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. But there's certain apps and stuff you can't use if you don't have software updates. But then again, you have like three apps. I have uh, Twitter, obviously. Yeah, that's that. new, by the way. I have you... Instagram on there. Yeah. I don't really use Instagram that well. What other apps do I have? You don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook. No. I Facebook like you... is the worst of all of them, in my opinion. Though Instagram's pretty bad too. I don't have TikTok. What do I have? My phone right next to me. I could just tell you. I don't have that many apps. I don't think I've downloaded. I have no games on here. That's yeah. weird. People always find um, that kind of weird. Oh, I have um, uh, Uber Eats on here. Ah, Uber Eats and Lyft. Oh, I'm surprised. Those are the only two other apps I have. They don't. They don't do DoorDash where you're at now. Uh, I've always done DoorDash off of uh, the computer. The computer. Oh, interesting. I don't do it off of my phone. Oh, but Uber Eats you do off your phone, but DoorDash... Uber Eats I do off of my phone, yeah. I mean... I don't know why the difference for me. I couldn't give you an explanation for why I say, I do. dude, it just seems kind of counterproductive. I like just don't what? know if Uber Eats is a website, does it? I don't know, dude. I'm proud. So I, I just assumed that it didn't, whereas DoorDash I've always used the website rather than... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair, dude. I mean, The app. I, yeah, but that's app. just how that's, how... that's how I've always done things. I have too many apps, my friend. Too many apps. That's my yeah, problem. I but yeah, I, I assume down. that if you have that many apps, it's got to slow down your phone. Yeah, probably. But I get a new phone every two years anyway. Like, I have uh, the new phone. Well, I don't. My phones, I try to keep a, a hold of uh, them for as long dude, as possible. I also had, I was, I, uh, I was picking on this Persian guy once the other day. He came in and he's like, oh, you have the iPhone 12 Pyramid. You have the 5G? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's not good for you. You know, the 5G, the government, they're doing all the things to you. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, bud. I'm like that's not that's not true. No, no, no. I I saw it. I saw the video. That I saw the video of yeah, Bill the five G thing about like oh it's it's messing with our health and yeah it's turning people gay or some stupid it's stuff ca- like that. It caused the corona. I read it on the parlor. Oh yeah, and the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen is caused by. The funny thing is like the, they don't they kind of forget the five G's been around <laughs> already. They're already in five G. Yeah. And two, if there was any type of damage being done, it's too late because the damage is. We've had cell phones for decades. Yeah. No, for we've sure. Had, we've had cell 90s. phones for decades. A- I mean, 80s we've, even. Yeah, we've had cell phones this entire time. So yeah. Is there probably a health ramification from cell phones in general? Probably. 5G? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is the thing that I'm always, it always cracks me up too. It's like, if, if that was the thing, then why is it the countries that don't have 5G have the COVID? Because they're surrounded by countries that do it's have like 5G. There's no real answer for it. They're just, uh, uh, mm, huh, mm, yeah. mm. Fucking morons. No, no, it's because the, the 5G caused it, the COVID, and then the COVID is spread. You know, but it's caused by the 5G. You don't know. You, what do you know about anything? You're but history, this is, this is a genuine, not a science. Um, this is a genuine problem. It's like humans have always been low information, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to pretend like somehow we've become dumber over the years. We haven't. No. Humans have always been dumb. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure, for sure, dude. Because do you think that people have become dumber? No, no, no. People have always been dumb. It's the there's just more ways history. to talk about being dumb. But there's exactly there's more ways of being dumb. That's the problem. So we people have always been low information, but now you have things that are presented as authoritative: YouTube videos, TikTok oh videos, uh, yeah. videos that are spread via WhatsApp, uh, Facebook. You want to you want to end disinformation campaigns. 100%. Bring them to a complete halt. Like, do so much damage to disinformation campaigns that con- conspiracy theories will never have two feet again. 
here's the three things you do. You kill Facebook, uh-uh. you kill WhatsApp, uh-uh. and, you, and you break apart YouTube. That's what, what all you the, need to do. If you do these three things. What about the Viber? Even Viber is fine. Telegram? Telegram is fine. All the People can still spread via TikTok. They can still spread via Twitter. They can still get all the bullshit that they always wanted, but it will never have the reach that it did if you kill Facebook, WhatsApp, and you break up YouTube. If you do those three things, the disinformation campaign will completely collapse. Basically, you want to get rid of the social media stuff that the old people are using. Yeah, the social media stuff that the old people are using, but also the social <laughs> media stuff that can build platforms around disinformation. Uh-huh. Right? So Facebook groups, the WhatsApp groups, YouTube channels. Those are the three ways the disinformation campaigns spread. Everywhere else, something can go viral, but you can't build a platform off of it. Oh, that's right? true. That's yeah. the key. So like, there's a plenty of disinformation on Twitter. But Twitter doesn't have the same ability to build that base of oh. disinformation. Speaking of Twitter, I saw a very funny tweet today. Um, I thought it was hilarious. So they uh, they put up the Disney uh, doing their premiere access, and it was a picture of Mulan, that Raya movie, and now Black Widow. Yeah. And they said, "Why is it that Disney is charging people extra for movies that are that have female leads?" Do uh, you get it? No, I don't get it. Mulan, right? Yeah. Chinese woman. Yeah. Raya. The Kelly Marie Tran Vietnamese oh, woman. Oh, and Black Widow with, with uh, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Someone else did a similar one where they put a, bl- a Black Widow uh, image and they said, and finally, the Asian representation we've been looking for from Disney. <laughs> right. And then a third person put up a, uh, I can't believe The View hosted a panel on Asian representation and it was uh, Black Widow's, um, uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Um, Emma Stone's from that movie where she was a she played a Hawaiian and an oh, Asian yeah, yeah. person, yeah. and uh, the the ancient one from uh, Doctor Strange, <laughs> the ancient, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's uh, Tilda Swanson, whatever. Tilda Swanson, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, I can't believe they hosted this panel on Asian representation. <laughs> I just I looked at oh, and it included the guy from uh, uh, what's the movie, the martial arts, the martial arts MCU. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. There we go. I yeah. Included him. <laughs> yeah, people have been. Uh, the, the memes have been on another point. Unfortunately, they're in response to something horrific, though. Right. It's like the memes are funny, but it's the humorous to cope with the with the unspeakable tragedy of what happened in Georgia. Uh, and on this podcast, as people have been aware, we're never afraid to touch and discuss controversial issues. But we make a point of never trying to exploit tragedy. So you'll mm-hmm. note that while we'll talk about Black Lives Matter, while we'll talk about gun violence, we try not to use that as as a sort of springboard, right? You know, immediately exploiting the the thing for a topic. We generally don't. We almost always wait a little bit, or that when we do discuss a topic, even if, if it's really relevant, we try not to go into the gory details. Not because we don't think they matter, but we are very keen on not replicating the sort of trauma porn that is often very prevalent on the internet, mm-hmm. whether it's on YouTube or a podcast. So you're going to find us, we will acknowledge the horrible tragedy in, in Georgia, but we're not going to go into the finer details of it, but you can find that stuff on the internet, you can find that in the news, and I don't think it's appropriate for us to exploit that. But I do think it does give us an opportunity, and opens the door to have a conversation, a real meaningful conversation, about the way in which uh, representation of Asian people, particularly in the media, has... As 
really contributed to the dehumanization of Asian Americans, of Asians more broadly, um, and and how that can create a culture in which the tragedies of Georgia happens. None of this is to say that this is all Hollywood's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing is a single cause. Nothing comes from one place. These rather multiple factors contribute to it. Yeah. We should multifaceted. Yeah, we're uh, we're a podcast that focuses on current events but predominantly on entertainment and pop culture and so i think it's only right for us not to go in and play the trauma porn uh, of the event but to use this event and, and really kind of highlight how things have led up to this point how is it possible that we can have a culture in which things like this happen because we should note that hate crimes amongst asian immigrants and asian americans and people of asian descent have increased in the past few years and part of it has been the ramped up political rhetoric from Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's China virus comments, which have created an extreme culture of hostility. People have talked about how uh, Asian Americans and anyone of Asian descent has been attacked. We've seen a whole kind of swath uh, of of reported incidents of of older Asian women in particular being attacked and punched and randomly assaulted. Mm-hmm. We've seen people uh, coughing on on the people of of Asian descent, or telling them to go back where they came from, or accusing them of of spreading the China virus. The, but in addition to sort of the rhetoric that we've seen, it's also part of the international ramp up. We are seeing the emergence of a real cold war between China and the United States, with China seen as a great adversary. Now there are some very valid criticisms of China. It is an authoritarian regime. There it has genocide. Has a, yeah, there's a surveillance state just like the United States has. They are participating in what looks to be an ethnic cleansing of the Uyghurs, mm-hmm. mass concentration camps. But we can also acknowledge that the U.S. State Department, the U.S. Defense Department, the U.S. Foreign Policy Wing will use those real criticisms to justify American aggression against China. Yeah. To justify a new Cold War because it brings in profits and whatnot. And so we we need to be able to call both of that out, recognize that, yeah, there are some valid criticisms of China, but then push back on how this increased level of hostility has grown, right? Where we're really, unfortunately, falling into, falling into the old trope of the quote-unquote yellow peril, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the threat from Asia, the threat from East Asia, the threat from China. And that, in turn, has an impact on the citizens, the way they respond. We saw this with uh, World War II, right? Uh, internment camps. internment camps, right? Yeah. We saw it in the case that even before internment camps were a thing, the culture in America had become increasingly hostile towards Japan because of of the uh, conflict between the two nations. Uh, we have signs and postage where, you know, in the same way that we used to see signs that said, like, no black people allowed, right, with a racial epithet. We saw Japs out, racial epithet for the Japanese. No Japanese allowed in this restaurant no japanese allowed no dogs no japanese right so the these this is not new there's an older history there and so i think for us we can have a really solid conversation about the way asian americans and asians are depicted in media uh-huh. and the way that that contributes to a culture of otherizing because let's be real we often we will call out and we do i think everyone does a relatively decent job of pointing out the discriminatory and racist practices when it comes to a lot of different groups including we do we point out the sort of islamophobia and anti-muslim bigotry but in entertainment the one form of bigotry that we've sort of kind of let slide is bigotry towards people of asian descent 
right? Yeah. I think it's, it's it's so normalized that for them to be the punch of the joke, you know, for them to for 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 them to be represented as a as an homogenous other, even the way we talk about it. When we say Asian, what do we mean? Right? Everyone always talks about like they say, "Oh, well, Asians do well in America." What do you mean Asians? Yeah, well, East yeah. Asians, people from Cambodia, Vietnam? Yeah. Pacific Islanders? Who is included in this language of Asia? Because you're only focusing on one particular subgroup, right? And so this is a really complicated conversation, but hopefully an interesting one. Because I I got to be honest, when I think of representations of of Asians in media, Mm -hmm. there's some really problematic ones. Yeah. It's really problematic. You know what's the first one that comes to mind for me? What? Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, I was just about to mention him, yep. Right. I love how we just Breakfast of Tiffany's is considered a classic, but we all we've kind of glossed over the fact that holy shit, holy shit, is that racist? Right. Like he wore big ass glasses. He like I think he taped his eyelids to be slanted, put like fake teeth on, had this yeah. like terrible accent. Like yeah. you know, yeah. like there there's that depiction, right? Um, it's just. And I like anytime like I think of um an an East Asian character, right? For, as for males at least, they're always mm-hmm. like the goofy sidekick, yeah. too. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's like oh, it's just like your little goofy trusted sidekick who does like yeah. math equations for you and shit like yeah. that. Or another another stereotype is that they're like the karate master, right? Yeah, like yeah. they're the Jackie Chans, the Bruce Lees, the Jet Lees. Yeah, like. You know how many like my Asian friends growing up were just called Jackie Chan or Jet Li by like yeah, right. like yeah, every hundred you know, percent like yeah. it, well I mean the the martial arts stereotype was a big one right and one that's been replicated over and over and over again. and it is a type of Orientalism this idea that there's a mystic Orient filled with knowledge and wisdom and Marvel's been certainly complicit with this right Doctor Strange is built entirely around that premise the ancient one the Sorcerer Supreme is literally an Asian sort of monk-like Tibetan monk warrior sorcerer, right? That's literally the principle. He goes to some a place in in Asia, yeah, and he ends up, you know, Kamartaj, and he ends up learning magic there. And, you know, Iron Fist. The same kind of Orientalist stereotype is definitely rooted in a lot of these. Marvel depictions. Now, when they made Doctor Strange come onto the big screen, they tried to avoid that by changing the ancient one from an Asian man to a white woman, <laughs> a bald white woman. Yeah. But that becomes even more complicated, right? Because now you're going, okay, so there's only a handful of Asian <laughs> characters even in Marvel, yeah. and you're going to give one of them away to a white woman. But you, you're left in a very uncomfortable, weird place, right? How do you, how do you address that? Because the reality is that even if you make it a white man he's still going to an asian country to learn the mystic arts yeah right yeah. this is a common trope so you you're either left with these uh, emasculinized or, or, or characters that are considered a non-threat to the white character right mm-hmm. the goofy sidekick the buddy the, you're often you know you're, you introduce them to american ways oh america oh look he's really into american women yeah, right, right? Take him to his first bar, get caught in a million bows. Like, that's the other big stereotype you see, right? Like, uh, bowing to each other over and over again, get caught in that. Or they're a mystic warrior. Yeah. There's not like, a lot of kind of middle ground there, is there? No, not at all, man. Like, it's hard. There's, there's a few actors that, like, I can think of off the top of my head that have transcended it. 
right? Um, the first one I could think of is is John Cho. Uh, those of you who don't know who John Cho is, he's he was Harold from Harold and Kumar, right? And while yeah, his character was Asian, the basis of his character wasn't that he was Asian. You know, he yeah. was just regular old stoner dude trying to get White Castle. Yeah. You know, like it 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 didn't. Like it was just like Harold and Kumar is actually far more radical than people realize. Yeah, right. Yeah, (laughs) seriously, right. (laughs) Like it really was. It's horrible and problematic in other ways. Yeah, but by by not reducing the characters to racial stereotypes. Yeah, right. Um, and then you know, like John Cho doesn't play like these stereotypical Asian roles, and like he's seen as a leading man, and like I think the one role that like he got because he was Asian was he played Sulu in uh, the new star trek movies yeah right. you know but it's because like um george takei uh, right, right. uh was was sulu in the originals so like it, it was it was kind of cool like you know like okay they they kept it with the original that they hired like an asian actor but you know sulu isn't like a stereotypical asian um you know so like john cho has transcended that and now recently another actor who's been doing that is randall park mm. so randall park um he he's played like Asian characters that like focus on their Asian backstory, which like you know he played the dad in uh, Fresh Off the Boat, uh, which was a sitcom that was on ABC for a while, and you know like he did really good in that. He was in a, a movie called Always Be My Maybe, um, on on Netflix, mm-hmm. and he plays like the FBI agent in in uh, the WandaVision TV show. And uh, he was also like the the same FBI agent in um, Ant Man, mm. but you know what? What the terrible thing about like being Randall Park is? What Randall Park in the mid to late two thousands had a cameo role on The Office. All right. Yes. For about yes. two minutes, he played like an actor friend of Jim and Pam's who pretended to be Jim for yeah. an opening skit. No matter what Randall Park does, and no matter all his accomplishments since then, yes, he gets yeah. reduced to Asian Jim, and everyone's always like cracking jokes about John Krasinski or whatever. Like, oh, look at John Krasinski trying to like play this role in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. He did such a good job, and blah blah. Like, it's like a butt of like the internet. Like, it's a joke. It's a butt of an internet joke where like you know it's Asian Jim. You know, like, and it's stupid because Randall Park is an accomplished actor on his own. But he's always going to be known as Asian Jim. Yeah, that's that's a, an example of just like holy crap, this the entertainment industry is is kind of horrible here. He the fact that he this person for all their accomplishments and their their credit when it comes to acting will be reduced to quote unquote Asian Jim. Like, think let that sink in. Let that sink in. It's interesting too that you bring up the fact a uh, leading man, right? This is a this is a big issue is that Asian men aren't often leading men, no. right? That when they are, they're too far in between. There's only a handful of them that are considered leading men, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, the problem is they have to be better than everybody else in order to be leading men. In other words, they have to be like drop dead gorgeous to be oh, leading men. Like right? that guy from um what was it? Crazy Rich Asians. You have to be just stunningly gorgeous. Whereas if you look at most romantic comedies, the main character, the white dude, is more often pretty basic. Right? You got your Brad Pitts here and there. Your, uh, what do you call What is Leonardo that? Leonardo DiCaprio. Not Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a little older for that. Let's see. 
it's that guy, the guy in um he's in a uh, uh notebook what's his name ryan gosling ryan gosling there we go yeah. you gotta be the ryan gosling types right? gosling Gosling, whatever the Gosling. fuck it is, whatever. Gosling. He's a handsome Gosling. Canadian man. He's a handsome guy, but you have to, you know, you have those ones that are like exceptions, right? Or yeah. Ryan, what's the other guy's Ryan name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, there we go. Deadpool. Could be one of those, like really good looking, but in general, more often than not, the white guy is pretty basic. Yeah, for the most part. Pretty basic, right? Ba- pretty basic white dude that gets with this really hot girl, mm-hmm. right? Is, the, is the, basically every rom-com out there. Yeah. But if you are not a white guy, if you're black or you're brown or you're Latino or you're Asian, you have to exceed expectations. Yeah. You have to be drop dead gorgeous in order to be considered a main lead. And this is this is something that Hollywood is deeply struggling with is the fact that if you look at Asian male leads that are considered heartthrobs or amazingly gorgeous, they have to quite literally be like if to to be a lead, they have to defy all expectations. Well, Randall Park and, doesn't defy all expectations. Yeah, he's the exception, yeah. right? And even then, Randall Park isn't as big a character as no, we'll, yeah, he's, he's honest, usually a right? side character. He's a side yeah. character. I'm saying lead. That's the key here. Yeah, like a John Cho. Yeah, to be John Cho, you have to be John Cho, right? Yeah. So they, they're very far in, in between, and that's the problem, right? Is that, and then what does that do? It replicates the idea that Asian men are detractive. Yeah. It perpetuates this idea mm-hmm. that uh, they're either gorgeous or they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or you're either John Cho or you're Ken right. Jeong. Whereas we're given, like, how many times a day do you go on social media and a basic ass white dude is being, uh, you know, praised for some really stupid shit? Oh my God, I would die for him. And you fuck on like, Harry Styles wears a dress and everyone's <laughs> panties drop. Like, I, look, I get that Harry Styles because of the One Direction thing, but I've seen Harry Styles. Or, or uh, I'm going to get shot here. I know I am by, by messing with the Directioners and the Beliebers in one moment. But it's like if you really are into Justin uh, Beaver and you're really into, into Harry Styles, go to your local gas station. There's like five of them there. Oh, yeah. Beaver just looks like, <laughs> like, a, like a buffed up meth head. He looks. He looks like I could name at least fifteen people I know just down my street that look like. Him. Yeah. It's like they're really basic, ordinary white. I'm not saying they're ugly or horrible or whatnot, but they're really ordinary white dudes. If it wasn't, if they weren't famous, they're just ordinary white dudes. He became a hardcore Christian, by the way. Yeah, Justin I know, Beaver. I know. But then there's this whole like, oh my God, look how gorgeous. We see this the same thing with streamers, right? Like people are streaming. Look, look at the ones that they that get like really big, and they're just the ninjas. Basic. The XQC, basic Ludwig. ordinary white guys, and then they're like people are like, "Oh my God, I yeah. die for him!" And you're like, "Him? Yeah. It's that it's that moment from uh, Black Panther. This is your king. You just yeah. got you pause, and there's a disconnect, right? Yeah. Whereas for any other person of of any other race to be to have, to to command that same level of devotion, to command that same level of desire and lust, they have to be have to be gorgeous. Yeah. You can't be a basic Asian dude. You can't be a basic black dude. You yeah. can't be you a basic... I mean, look, you look have to at, be Edris Elba. Yeah, look at the black actors that we consider gorgeous, right? Idris Michael Elba, B. Jordan. Michael Jordan. They are, they are genuinely gorgeous men, right? Yeah. Where's yeah. your basic black dude that's considered a male lead? Kevin Hart. Right? He's not a male lead. He's yeah, a comedic... He he's a, he's uh, a joke. The way uh, he's, a, he's the butt of the joke. Think about that. Like that's how fucked up it is. Middle Eastern dude, right? You have to be drop dead gorgeous yeah, in order to be a male lead. Yeah. 
if you're not, you're a terrorist or you're a comedic, right? Like, this is the thing, whereas a basic white dude has all this flexibility. If you're an Asian uh, actor, you don't. You either have to be gorgeous or you're the sidekick. Yeah. It's a it's 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 a sad reality for for people trying to break into Hollywood. Or what you could do is just be a mockery of you know your culture, which is what Ken Jung has made a career of. Yeah, that's the uh, the big uh, the big push or the big pushback against Ken Jung is that there's a while where he was very popular, very famous, right, and people really liked him. But they're like, um. This guy's really horrible for for Asian representation on film. Yeah, he played that fucking goofy Chinese gangster in The Hangover. Uh, I mean, his role in Community wasn't too bad, right? As Chang, but like, still, he just ah. yeah, yeah. But even even the way that we imagine uh, Asian representation, let's like when we're talking about like serious Asian representation, so Ken Jeong's representation problematic we can all kind of call it out but let's look at the like little subtle ways in which it's asian so just recently uh we've seen the controversy around how asian films are othered take minari right which is a foreign language film the only problem is that it's a movie about asians in america mm-hmm. living in america made by an american director hmm. And they're like, oh, well, it's not 75% English, and so therefore it has to be foreign language film. But that same application or that same standard wasn't applied to Inglorious Bastards, which was also 75% not in English. Yeah, it was in, like, German. Yeah, so why? No one has been able to answer this question. Why is Minari a foreign language film? And why is Inglorious Bastard not? Uh, White people. There you go, right? So you, Minori, which is phenomenal, is not considered American enough. That's a really subtle way in which just the categories themselves otherize Asian depictions, mm-hmm. right? That's a subtle way. But then there's also, we've talked about depictions, we've talked about men, but let's not forget that a great deal of Asian depictions revolve around the sexualization of Asian women. Oh, God. Right? This is probably the longest stereotype, the Madam Butterfly, the the Dragon Lady stereotype. And it is genuinely rooted in uh, real American policies and real kind of controversy here. That the earliest understandings of Asian women have been uh, them being sexualized and objectified. Yeah, like they're, they're these docile sexual docile objects. Docile sexual su- subservient yeah. figures, but also that they're almost always equated with sex work, right? And this is this really is what brings it back to Georgia, right? And the the idea of the massage parlor and whatnot. I mean, the oldest act here is the Page Act of eighteen seventy five, which banned East Asians from entering East Asian women specifically from entering the United States. Do you know why? Because they were, because they were considered prostitutes. Oh, wow. Literally, the, one of the oldest anti-Asian laws in America, 1875, Page Act, defines Asian women, East Asian women, legally as prostitutes. Mm. Right? <laughs> and of course, none of, this, none of the, these depictions, and we can, we can note, for example, the character that Lucy Liu always plays, right? Mm-hmm. Ruthless killer, sex bunny. Yeah. That's kind of the spectrum that she's always been put into. Right, and the two overlap. Kill Bill's a prime example of this. She's a ruthless killer, but there's this sort of 
docile, you know, alluring, sexy component to her. Yeah. Right? Charlie's Angels, the way that she's depicted in Charlie's Angels. So we see this a lot with Lucy Liu. But this isn't grounded in just sort of a, a random fantasy, but it is fundamentally part of American imperialism. It comes out of the, the war in Vietnam and World War II, in which Asian women were depicted as prostitutes, yeah. as sexually subservient, as the people who GIs could, could go over there and, and participate in sex industries. They could find hookers, that they could find prostitutes, they could find sex workers. Right? Yeah, you saw it in that uh, Full Metal Jacket, which was full, uh, yeah, full, the full Oliver Stone jacket. or whatever. You very clearly see this this sort of depiction, and that's carried over the idea that the massage parlor, right? That's a, a, you know all kind of uh, plays into that 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 stereotype that plays into this idea that Asian women are particularly subservient, and we see this language even around um, gaming culture, right? Mm-hmm. Gamers often talk about Asian women in very fetishized way. Yeah. The quote unquote yellow fever, the idea that Asian women are somehow uh, uniquely desire basic ass white men, so that if a white guy can't get a white girlfriend, they can definitely get an Asian girlfriend. Yeah, that's why they like, even the most basic white dude can, can get an Asian girlfriend. This, this is a stereotype, a real American stereotype amongst American men. Yeah, you see it. Like, and I've been more on Twitch since uh, the past few months. And like, you see it like with the female uh, Asian streamers, right? Like yeah. the Pokemans, the Valkyries, the yeah. Fooslies, the Tina kittens. They're like the dudes that are on there. Like I, you know, like I don't, res- I don't talk in the chat because it's kind of mm-hmm. weird to me, but like I'll read the chat every now and then. It's like, it, they say some fucking disgusting ass shit towards these women. Absolutely. And then when you click their profile, it's like some random, like 19 year old white fucking reddit incel you know yeah, like, yeah. Oh God. i mean the, there has been also a contribution i think uh from anime here mm-hmm. that the increase of anime that the otaku culture in america right the anime culture in america has perpetuated this idea of of asian women as sexualized objects yeah i could see that i could definitely as see this that. kind of mix of of sexual you know sexually subservient but also sex fiend type type figures right it's a very common uh trope in, in anime yeah we for example one of the figures uh that's quite uh famous is the and i'm probably going to mispronounce this the tsundere the tsundere is a a person who's kind of a, a hot-headed and temperamental right uh-huh. this is a person that is actually uh standoffish and cold but deep down they actually secretly like you yeah uh. Right, okay. so it plays. It plays to that 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 stereotype, and we find these in like maid like maid cafes and anime and whatnot. So there is this whole mass media production that go around depicting Asian women in a particular way, mm-hmm. and then that is perpetuated in broader society and culture, and that has an impact. Right, if you see all women as um, you know, sexualized all Asian women as a sort of sexualized other that is meant to be for your sexual gratification, that they're an object for your sexual gratification, then you don't be surprised when rejected that that leads to violence. Right. So these cultural depictions aren't neutral. They are violent in of themselves. They reduce complex human beings to sex objects. 
And when you reduce complex human beings into sex objects, then they become the targets of violence, then they become the targets of assault, then they become the targets of white men's entitlement, the desire to possess them. Well, that's, that's why the dude in Georgia did what he did, right? And they don't want to bring it up that like it's a hate crime because he said that he was a sex addict, but he fetishized Asian women. So it is, it is, yeah. you know, like it is a, yeah. a hate crime. Right. And we, I should note that the opposite of the tsundere is the yandere, who is overly affectionate, like just subservient, wants to worship and adore you. And so we see this, that, that, that Asian women are placed within this stereotype. And so the gaming, the gaming culture, the sub-community of nerds and broader uh, Hollywood depictions, all play, as well as anime, all play to these stereotypes. And these stereotypes are rooted in a history of of militarism, imperialism. I mean, it's, it's not casual that we see these often in the context of what? The GI, World War One. I, I mean, World War II, uh, uh, the, the war in Vietnam, the Korean War, right? Yeah. That and they are literally in the context of war. And so those okay. stereotypes continue to filter down to this day. So for all the claims of wokeness in Hollywood, go and look at the depictions of Asian women. Yeah. Go and look at them. They're almost always within the uh, this spectrum here, right? Super accomplished, cold mathematician or doctor, mm-hmm. sexualized sex kitten. Yeah, that's it. That's right? all there is. Yeah, that's that's the spectrum. Yeah. That's what you find. That's woke Hollywood for you. Ah, uh, it's terrible, dude. I mean, Hollywood's right? just. So we have to ask ourselves, this is like, if we want to start to address things like how to avoid future Georgias and stuff like that, how do we participate on our complicity? What media do we consume? And how can we push back on those types of media so that when we do say, hey, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't make the Asian character a sidekick. Right. Maybe there's more to this character. Why, why is it that every male character has to be a comedic sidekick or some type of doctor? Or a kung fu master. Or a kung fu master, right? Why can't they have more complexity? Why is it that they have to be above and beyond white actors in order to even be considered a male lead, right? And what are we doing with Asian women representation? What about even the category of Asian? What the fuck does that mean? What do you mean? Who's included in that? Are we included in that? Cambodian women get included in Asian representation? Vietnamese women? Right, Filipino. When you women. say Asian, what do you mean? Yeah, like, and Asia is so big, right? Like the thing is, I think for Americans, if you ask them to like point out like all the Asian countries on the map, I guarantee you they miss like Russia, they miss Afghanistan, they miss the well, whole course, Middle East. Of course, you know, like, yeah, but our understanding of Asia is almost entirely filtered through this idea that it's East Asian. This is kind of interesting. If you ever go to if you ever go to England and they say Asian, they're generally referring to someone from Pakistan or India. Yeah. It's interesting that they have these kind of different understandings of Asia. And that's because internationally or the the kind of conception amongst the so-called West is that it's all the Orient. It's yeah. all this kind of homogenized mystic place over there. It's the East. And yeah. anybody is considered Asian. It's all interchangeable. 
So I think there, there's a, this is a broader conversation to have. This was just our way of opening up the talk. We don't have any answers, but we're hopefully raising some points here, raising some questions, and hopefully making us all aware for everyone who listens that you can, we're all, all complicit in this, that we've all in some way, shape, or form. And, and that doesn't mean we're all irredeemable. We have ways of growing and learning. Hell, we grow and learn on this podcast every day. We're not perfect. We're not woke. We started off in a horrible place. And every day we try to grow and we get better. And that's what we're hoping to do and hoping that you'll join us in that journey, that you'll recognize the ways that you've been complicit in these type of depictions and your understanding of of, of the you know depictions of Asians in entertainment and the broader mass culture and how that perpetuates violence on these communities. So hopefully you can join us on this journey. Hopefully we can continue this dialogue over future podcasts. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, what you think we've said. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Hopefully you can see where we're coming from and you can see this longer history, how it's connected to things like uh, U.S. Uh, legal policy, U.S. international policy, how it perpetuates a horrific uh, stereotype that then binds and bond, you know, restricts Asian actors into particular roles, which in turn perpetuate these stereotypes in our culture that are all deeply rooted in violence. Diz is actually going to let us in know how you can get a hold of us diz yes you can catch us on facebook facebook.com slash currently nerdy we're on twitter at currently nerdy instagram at currently nerdy um we're on stitcher google play well no we're not on google play anymore they got rid of that shit we're on stitcher and the itunes podcast app so make sure you rate review and subscribe to us on there um if you've already done that you're great you're amazing we love you if you haven't you're a terrible human being and you're a piece of shit and you're probably hate brown people so go and do it so you could prove me wrong that you actually love brown people um and also spread the word all right you're not a true currently nerdy fan unless you spread the gospel of currently nerdy so spread us to your friends and family members make them listen to us make them part of the currently nerdy army uh, and if you'd like to get a hold of us individually you can ali how can i get a hold of you you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M-I or on our sister podcast, Head on History. Diz. You can catch me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire.